Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod. This is episode two, early morning, Saturday, September 8th, 2018. I'm going to make it a point to make sure that this is posted at least a few minutes before 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time, before the early morning slate of college football games kick off. So right after I recorded my first episode and was editing it all together, I was like, wow, uh... I sound very stern and very, very intense. <laughs> so this is, this is not what I intended. I want this to be less formal and more conversational. So thank you to everyone who, who actually did listen to the first episode and gave me feedback. It was funny because like some people knew that I was planning on it, and they, they said it was solid, but I, I knew to get a real honest opinion, I can only go to one person, and that was my girlfriend. And after she listened to it, she was like, you sounded serious and sad. <laughs> okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but... Uh... <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Lippy. <laughs> so just to recap, my first episode featured the Doggy Juice Ten Commandments of sports betting. And the thing is... While sports betting is becoming more mainstream and accepted in modern America, which is a great thing, we're finally leaving the Stone Age and catching up to Europe, I think that people should always bet what they want, and I'm never going to tell people what they should bet. My point in doing this podcast is simply just to try to make you think about betting in ways that you've never thought of before. And I also apologize because I'm going to be shopping lines... (laughs) while I do this podcast, but that's just how it is doing this early on a Saturday morning in college football season. But my goal is to just give you a better idea of what the betting market is like and an understanding of the market you'll be betting into. There's already tons of great information out there. My aim is just to supplement that while also providing an angle that you can't get anywhere else. So this podcast is going to be a lot shorter than my first one, and that's the way I want to keep it moving forward, short and sweet. I'm going to finish it with some picks, some game analysis, and I'm going to finish it with my five Super Contest picks, not for the actual Westgate Super Contest. I'm not doing that, but I, I do a miniature version, and I did quite well in it last year. I, I, if I had the same picks, I would have actually placed in the real Super Contest, but, you know, what if? So I'll be closing out with that. So my own personal sports betting philosophy that I've adopted the past year or two is Joe's bet teams and pros bet numbers. And I did not coin that phrase myself. The legendary Jimmy Vaccaro, uh, Las Vegas odds maker, he, he coined that phrase. But it is so true, and I have completely subscribed to that way of thinking. Along the same lines, the late, great David Malinsky, who I mentioned in the first episode, this entire podcast is dedicated to him. He always used to say, whenever people would ask him for his advice, that if you ask him who he likes in a game, his answer is always going to be, what's your line? And the point of that is, you could be on either side of one game, and you should be. You shouldn't just blindly think about taking one team without considering the other or one side, because there's going to be value on either side, depending on the number. So my entire betting philosophy is founded on this premise and over the years, I've, I've been pretty hardened by this, and hardened enough to understand that nothing is a lock, and anything 
can happen. The truth is just that it's it's very hard to win, but do not be disillusioned by touts out there that are claiming that they can win 85% or 65% or anything like that. They, they prey on people with that information, with that technique. But the fact of the matter is it's very hard to just break even and, and win 52.38% of your bets if you're betting into a minus 110 line. And on top of that, you're fighting in you're fighting against a very sharp market these days. And I guess it used to be a lot softer back in the day, but I don't remember those days because I wasn't in the game back then. But that's just what I've heard. But on the flip side, at the same time right now, so much is changing with the overruling of the PASPA law, the Supreme Court ruling in May. And there's a lot of uncertainty in the future of what the market's going to be like because there's so many new bettors entering the fray. So we're going to see where things go there. That's really exciting. But being able to, to read and predict the market today is everything in sports betting. And it's incredibly hard to hit 55% over time. But if you're disciplined, like I said in the first episode, you can do it. For me, though, once you realize that when you make a standard pre-game or pre-flop bet or what have you, you probably have, at best, a 40 to 45% chance of losing it. At best, 40 to 45% chance of losing. Once you realize that, your mind will be set free. I can see the light. So one topic that I wanted to get into in this podcast is the idea of sports betting trends. People often look at trends when betting, and trends can be an important part of your handicap. But the problem is this. Markets always tend to correct themselves, and if your trend is legit, it won't be a trend for long because the odds makers are going to be aware of it as well, and they will price it into the line. Or bettors will bet into it and move the line. Trends usually are not trends for long because the market prices it into the line, so you have to figure out if that's already happening. But on top of that, when you are considering a trend, you should ask yourself two questions. One, does this trend offer any predictive value for the future? And I'm going to use the the TNT Bulls as an example here. The Chicago Bulls have performed remarkably well against the spread when they're playing at home on night TNT games, Thursday night TNT games. And when you ask yourself if this offers any predictive value for the future, the, the short answer is no. Like, why would the Bulls be more likely to win on when playing at night on TNT? On the flip side, you can think that maybe the players are aware of this and they think they're, they're drinking MJ's secret stuff whenever they're playing on a TNT night game. But probably not. The second question you have to ask yourself, though, is... Has the market already priced this trend into the current line, or will they? So when you are considering a trend, you have to think if there is predictive value, then is the market already pricing this in? Is the market aware of it? And if the market is not aware of the trend, which is highly unlikely, then the trend might be very helpful. For the TNT bulls, I think if anything, the market could be aware of this and pricing it the other way. So the market might be overvaluing the, overvaluing the trend in shaping the line. So there might actually be value on the other side when you're considering it. So it's now time for the nitty-gritty. 
where the bread is buttered, your NFL Week 1 and NCAA Week 2 previews. It's overreaction week in college football, Week 2, and this is the week where people remember what they saw last and see those big blowouts or big upsets in Week 1 and tend to overreact to them. And the key for my handicapping process this week is figuring out which teams are legit, which teams that looked good last week are, are actually that good, or, and on the flip side, which teams that looked poorly last week I should be trusting my preseason power rating on and expecting them to perform better moving forward. So along that same line of reasoning, I, I laid the points this week with, with two home favorites that lost in week one. The first one is Michigan, minus 27.5 at home against Western Michigan. I am going to trust my preseason rating on this one and think that Michigan comes out firing on all cylinders on this Saturday morning. So I'm going to plan on them winning by more than four touchdowns in that one. And the other one is Texas, minus 23 at home tonight in Austin. Tom Herman had a, we'll just put it this way, a forgettable game at Maryland on Saturday last week, but I think a lot of that was the market undervaluing undervaluing Maryland and also the spot that they were in. There was a lot of emotion going on with that team. They ran out in the huddle with only 10 players to honor their their deceased teammate. So tonight, I think Texas, after losing last week straight up at Maryland, comes out with a lot of fire. I think Tom Herman's going to fire up his team and they're going to blow out their opponent. And another thing I'm going to look at this week is the Stanford money line. The, that line opened three and a half and I was not able to get on it on time. It, it moved up to five and a half. So there, there's no value on the line itself, but there is often money line value on favorites on big high profile night games, um, especially in the NFL but this works in a lot of sports, and for that, I'm going to cut to Doggy Juice Math Now, the spread money line converter is a very useful resource that you can use. It's on sportsbookreview.com. You could just Google spread money line converter, and it'll, it'll be the first result that comes up. But basically, when you go to that site, you can plug in what the line is in a certain game, depending on sport or or the the money line, and it'll show you it'll convert and show you what the equivalent numbers would be. So what the the money line should be based off a of spread, and it calculates the odds, the win percentage for the favorite, the win percentage for the underdog based on the odds that you plug in. But this is a very useful tool to use, especially when you're trying to find value on either side or determining if you want to bet the money line or spread on a certain game. And on Saturday night, there might be a chance that Stanford money line, since, and, and this is also under the notion that on big night high-profile games, the public gets more involved, and when they do, they bet on underdogs because public is rarely in a situation where you want to lay $250 to win 100 The public would rather spend $100 to win 250 So when that happens and there's a lot of bets on the underdog on a big high-profile game, this opens up value potentially on the favorite on the money line 
where you can come in and scoop up a number where you're getting some value, especially as compared to the, the actual line that's posted. So that's something I'll be looking at for Stanford on Saturday night. So back to overreactions in week two in college football. I'm also going to be taking the points with a few ugly dogs today. The first one is Bowling Green at plus 16 I have right now, but I'm holding out for a plus 17. Really hoping that shows this morning. They are hosting the aforementioned Maryland Terrapins at home today, and this is a classic letdown spot for me for Maryland. They're coming off a very high emotional victory last weekend over Texas when they were 14-point underdogs, 13-point underdogs, depending when you got the line. And that team's a total mess. And just like they were undervalued last week, they are overvalued this week. I think there was an overreaction to them. And they came out and won that emotional game last week, but this is a classic letdown spot when they traveled to Bowling Green to, to play that game. So just off pure numbers and the spot, I, I like Bowling Green getting, if you can get plus 17, that's an amazing number, but anything over two touchdowns is, is a go for me. And another team I'm going to be looking at is South Carolina. I have plus 10.5 already in play. That's going to be crazy in Columbia tonight. I do plan on doing more college coverage in future weeks because that is where the bread is buttered. The lines are way softer in college football compared to the NFL, but I'm going to move on to NFL now. NFL's back, baby. So really quickly, I want to talk about unders in NFL Week 1. There's the notion that teams are sloppy due to the long offseason and more recently due to the insistence on resting players during the preseason. You look at Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams coach, he didn't play any of his starters in the preseason, which in my mind, and you've seen it the past few years, there's less cohesiveness in first units in the first week and teams come out sloppy and that's always advantage defense when the offense has hasn't had the time to get on the same page and they're seeing live game action at full speed for the first time since you know in several months but you have to know that the market is aware of this and prices the lines accordingly so for betting opportunity for me i'm looking for teams that were better able to establish that cohesiveness in the preseason it's difficult to find that but if you can if you have a sharp eye and you're able to see that in the preseason then you might be able to find some opportunity betting on that team in week one last year saw a lot of unders in week one and my first look in totals week one is always is always that way but this year in particular there are obviously reasons to be leery about that with the new helmet rules in the nfl you saw in the preseason that Refs are throwing those flags for with the new helmet rules in play, and I don't know if that's going to translate to the regular season. If they're going to do, you know, focus more on fines, I'm not sure. But that at least has me hesitant to just play a lot of unders week one. But having said that, I do have a few unders in pocket, and my best play of the week. I've I've given this out to a few people with access to it, but I was able to get the under 46 in Cleveland and Pittsburgh but that total is cratered, and you still might be able to find some, some 42, 43s out there. But I got, I got 46, and if you were able to get on 45 a few days ago, I think that was definitely a smart move. And actually, I, I even think it was a free roll because 
for starters, the the mark the numbers itself. I don't think there's there's any value. I mean, there maybe I had a, a point or two under where it was posted originally, but totals are hard in week one, especially when you're using last year's stats, um, pace statistics, pace statistics, and and yards per play, and also you know other statistics you use to formulate your totals. There's obviously a lot more uncertainty in week one, but this was more of a reading of the market, this play, because the weather forecast in Cleveland called for, and for the past few days, it's been the same. It's called for very windy weather, 20 to 25 mile an hour winds and rain, and that's going to plummet a total. And when it became apparent that that was likely, I wanted to get ahead of the market there. Just because I viewed it as a free roll, I didn't think that the number would go up over 46. I couldn't envision any scenario where that would happen. So I took a larger position on the under 46 with the idea that worst case scenario, I can get off of it. If the number stays the same, the chances of it going up are so small, especially with that weather forecast. And if anything, I'll wait for the market to to move on that information. And of course it did the past couple of days. And now I'm seeing 41s out there and it, that line's still dropping. So eventually I'm going to get into play with about, you know, depending on the number, roughly 25 to 35 percent, maybe maybe even up to 50 percent, back on the over. And if I can get that middle between 41 and 46, then we're looking at a perfect situation. So that's an example of playing the market in sports betting and not necessarily just handicapping the game because I think the total was slightly high at 46, but not too high. I mean, you know, one or two points off. It would not have warranted a play on its own, but this is just a simple market play. Really quickly, a couple other things I have in pocket from the summer. I, I locked in Baltimore minus five on June 11th, and I've been high on Baltimore this year compared to expectations, and there's a few reasons for that. For starters, I think that the fact that management traded up for Lamar Jackson in the draft that lit a fire under Joe Flacco, and you saw that in the in the offseason and the preseason. He you could he had a little pep in his step, Flacco, and obviously he's definitely nowhere near a top-tier quarterback at all, but he has his offensive line healthy now, and that's the other part of the handicap with um, Marshall Yonda's back facilitating the offensive line. He has, Flacco has a healthy line. He finally has a running back that I think could be a workhorse back, and Alex Collins, his stats from last year jump off the page. So I have taken some Baltimore Ravens to win the AFC North at plus 400, Four to one is a nice return, good value. I think that's that's plus three hundred now. But if you could find plus three fifty before tomorrow, I think there's still value there. Taking them, obviously, don't expect them to win the division. I still think the Steelers will, but I think the the Baltimore Ravens do win it more than one out of four times for sure. And also in pocket, I have I have a few totals, but that's just playing numbers, so I'm not going to give any of that out. I've, I'm just trying to get ahead of the market moves on some places where I make my wagers. So moving on to my NFL Super Contest picks. I'm going to start by saying that I'm not necessarily betting all of these. It's very rare to find more than three or four games with line value in any given NFL week. And for this, you have to pick five. I mean, oftentimes I'm on one or two sides a week in the NFL with value. But for this, you have to pick five, so I have picked five, and I'm going to let you know which ones I actually have bet. The first one I have bet, and it's the New York Giants plus three and a half. 
at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. For me, it's just a power ratings issue. I think that the Jaguars are overvalued on this line. It should be around Pickham. I have the Jaguars roughly power rated about three points better than the Giants, but the Giants got to adjust for home field, which is worth about three points here. So getting line value, getting the hook at three and a half. Right now, the current line is actually three, but I do think there's value betting that one and maybe even sprinkling some money line as well. But for that, I, I, that's in my super contest, the Giants plus three and a half. The next one that I have is the Miami Dolphins at plus one and a half. I have this power rated around Pickham. Um, so we're getting we're getting some value there. I think the team's going to be rejuvenated, actually, with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Not that he really excites anybody, but I think Adam Gase, people are underrating what he has going on there. And just a simple power ratings, they're at home against Tennessee and getting a point and a half is, is value. The next one, the Arizona Cardinals at minus a half a point. People are down in Arizona, but I think that this team is underrated. Um, they have David Johnson returning, which gives them a spark in the backfield. And at least they have a little bit of quarterback depth now. Sam Bradford doesn't really excite, but they're at home against Washington. And if I'm going to be just laying a half a point in that one, I'm going to go with that. Um, I'm kind of torn with some of the other picks, I'm not going to lie. One bet I did make that I'm not sure I'm going to do in Super Contest is the Houston Texans on the road at New England. I bet it at plus 7, minus 125. But in Super Contest, it's it's 6.5. And And I'm inclined to take Houston at that number, but getting the touchdown at 7 is so much more valuable. So if that does get to 7 and you can get it minus 110, even minus 125 I think is still good value getting the touchdown for Houston in that game. Um, just a simple handicapping factor of Belichick usually not caring as much about the early season games. They're usually more prepared at the end of the season. And I'm not overreacting to Kansas City, the fact that they, they won on the road in the first game last year against New England. Um, I think that was more Andy Reid. Just, you know, Andy Reid, when he has time to prepare, his numbers are, are eye-popping. But for the Houston team, although there are issues with the offensive line, I think getting a whole touchdown against New England is, is value especially since Brady doesn't have the weapons to work with that, that we're used to seeing. So I'm inclined to take them at 6.5 in the Super Contest, but I'm torn between them and Denver. Denver's minus 2.5, and, and for that, I think I'm going to probably roll it back because it's more of a play against Seattle, the Seattle unit as a whole, and I'm pretty high on Denver this year in the way that that team's shaping up. So I'm inclined to take Denver at minus 2.5 there because it's actually sitting at 3 now, so getting that that point and winning with with a, a three point win on a field goal is is good value there I think so I might end up betting that but I'm not I'm not quite sure um, the other one that I'm looking at the final one is the Oakland Raiders at plus four and a half and for me this is actually this is a classic pros versus Joe's game all the Joe money's coming in on the L A Rams and a lot of pro money's coming in now that it's four and a half. And I'm going to take Oakland here. I'm going to be on the, the side of um, the perceived pro play. Um, for me, this is Gruden's first game, obviously, at home. And it's a Monday night game, so you're going to get the crowd pretty amped up. The team should be amped up. But it's also a play against the Rams. Right now, the, this line is saying that the Rams are roughly 7.5 points better than Oakland when you factor in home field. And I think 
although the Rams are going to be a fantastic team this year, I think I'm going to look at that rust factor because McVay went on one end of the spectrum and did not really play anybody in the preseason. So I think there's going to be some rust. Perhaps look at the team total under. Perhaps look at the under in general on its own. But I'm going to say that Gruden's going to have the Raiders up for this game, and I'm going to side with the sharp side here and take Oakland plus four and a half, and I will be betting that as well. And if that line that line could continue to move up, so those are the super contest picks. I'm probably I might end up sw- um, swapping Houston plus six and a half, but I'm pretty much going to roll with that. I might do that instead of Denver, but I, I have the Giants, the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, and the Raiders for week one. So we'll see how that goes. So that's it. That's the end of the second episode of the Doggy Juice Pot. So that's it. That's the end of episode two of the Doggy Juice Pod. In the next few episodes, I have guests coming on the pod. That's right. We have some guests lined up. As I said at the beginning, I'm trying to make this less formal and more conversational and I want to get some POVs of people who are also out there in the betting world and I want to hear their stories really quick before I go I'm going to make some predictions in the NFL I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings to win the Super Bowl that's right even with their offensive line worries I think that the stars have a line for the Vikings and they're going to get through a tough NFC for the Super Bowl matchup I'm going to say the Vikings beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl. So Vikings over Steelers for the Super Bowl. And for college, well, I think we could just fast forward to Clemson and Alabama right now, but I'll take Alabama to win it all, but that's that's not a hot take. So that's it for episode two. Really appreciate you listening and any feedback you can provide. Follow me at Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram. That's it. Doggy Juice out. <laughs>